0: Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church message podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter, or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Since it's Father's Day, I thought, I want to today look at what the Bible says about who God is, and let's just today celebrate our Father in Heaven and so today, we're going to look at Luke 15, verse 11 to 24. So if you've got your Bibles there, it's a little bit of a long passage that we're going to read together. And this is actually the story of the prodigal son. And in this story, we discover actually what a good father is. See, I actually think this is not just a story about the prodigal son, but it's actually more about a story of a good and loving father. And so we're going to pull some stuff out of this that I think will help us to see what our heavenly father is like, the good, loving father that he is. So let's read this morning Luke 15, verse 11 to 24. And it says this Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is such a a profound story. And to give you some context of this, this is actually a parable that Jesus told which was actually uh, the last parable of three parables where Jesus is actually challenging people how they saw the Father. See, Jesus was with tax collectors and sinners and uh, with the, the Pharisees who were all gathering around him to, 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 to be healed and to listen to what he had to say. And because that, of Jesus being around sinners and tax collectors, the, the, the Pharisees, Pharisees and the religious leaders... Uh, were scoffing at Jesus, saying, what is this guy doing hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? And it's these three parables that Jesus talks about that are in response to challenging their view of God. And so we can then look at this uh, Scripture and understand that uh, we can actually get a reflection of who God is because God is, uh, Jesus is describing God the Father through this parable. And so the first point I want to pull out this morning is that our Father in heaven, He loves us even when we're at our worst. See, we need to understand, we don't in our uh, modern 21st century culture, it's hard to, to relate to all that is going on in this story because we, we didn't grow up in a Jewish context. But if we start to look at, The Jewish culture of the day we can actually get a a much deeper and better understanding of what's going on. See Jesus was the master at public speaking and he understood the culture of the day and every part of this story would have addressed something that was going on in that culture and so we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the culture of the day and and really begin to understand how good uh, our Father is in heaven and Jesus portrays our Father in this way. You see, we need to understand what the son had done. See, Jesus was painting a picture of the son and how low he had fallen. First, he dishonours his father. You see, the fifth commandment uh, in the Mosaic law was uh, to honour your father and your mother. And this son, when he asked for his inheritance, was actually uh, dishonouring his parents. What he was saying was, I wish you were dead so that I could have what I wanted, so I could get on with my life. This was a very disrespectful thing to do in their day. And yet this is what Jesus, the, uh, the picture that Jesus is painting of what this son has done. He's totally dishonoured his parents. He also, to add to that, he rejects his Jewish, Jewish culture and faith. See, the son... Uh, he actually takes his inheritance, he sells his land, gathers all that he has that his dad has divided up for him and he goes to a far country. And so this actually, they would have, the Jewish leaders would have understood that that would have meant to go and live amongst the Gentiles. And the Gentiles is just anyone that wasn't of Jewish descent. And this was a big no-no in Jewish culture. See, the, the Jewish culture didn't mix with the Gentiles at all. Uh, they they lived amongst themselves, they only, I mean Gentiles could come and visit them but they would never go and visit the Gentiles. And so for this son to actually uh, take his life and go and live over there was actually a rejection of the culture and a rejection of God according to the Mosaic Law. But not only that, he doesn't only just reject it but he goes and and revels in it. He says he 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 lived a wild life and he he went out and spent all his money on on partying, uh, sleeping with prostitutes, which would have actually been Gentile prostitutes and so he would have defiled himself in that way uh, and committed the ultimate sin. Uh, And then on top of that, he loses his father's wealth. And this is is important. Uh, We need to understand that uh, what that father could have done with that land, the ability to continue making money, the son squandered it. He lost it all. Uh, you know, any money that he could have made while the father was still alive, he actually, he lost all that uh, because this, the father divided it all up and gave it to him and the son sold it and he actually just wasted it on wild living. And so this was a, a, a real disrespect towards the father. But not only that, after losing it all and a famine hits, he in his pride, instead of going back home, decides to go and attach himself to a citizen of that land. And that, this actually represents uh, maybe a Roman citizen who actually would have had a lot of money. Uh, and, and so instead of going home, he goes and works for this citizen of that land and ends up working in the lowest of the lowest jobs that a Jewish man could have ever worked in. You see, he he was actually uh, feeding pigs. Now, in Jewish culture, pigs were detestable. They were ceremonially unclean. You weren't allowed to touch a pig. You weren't allowed to eat a pig. And here here we see this son. He's actually feeding pigs amongst the pigs and not only feeding them and touching them, uh, and getting dirty from them, he's actually longing to eat their food and so Jesus is painting a picture here, he's saying according to Jewish culture, there, you, you could not go any lower, this is the lowest of the low and this is where this son went, he, he reached rock bottom and the Jewish uh, re- religious leaders would have actually considered this guy to be a pig himself, that there was no coming back from here. But we see uh, that this father demonstrates his love for this son even when he's at his worst. worst. See, the son decides to go back and he, he considers, you know what, it's actually better at my father's house where... At least the servants and the hired hands actually get to eat. And yet here I am longing to eat pig food. And in his muck, in his worst moment, he decides to turn back to his father. He heads home and his father uh, actually accepts him back and shows his love for him in that moment. And what we see in this moment is actually a representation of our father in heaven. He said, it doesn't matter how far we go, how, matter far, how far we fall, how dirty we get, God accepts us back no matter what. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I've, I just felt when I was writing this, there was someone watching today who felt like they've gone too far, that they've done things that they wish they'd never done, that they look at their life with guilt and shame and, and think there's no way back for me. But I want to tell someone today who's watching, there is a Father in heaven who loves you unconditionally. And it doesn't matter how far you've fallen, how far you've gone, how low you've gone, He loves you and He cares for you and He wants to and He accepts you back into the family. See Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. You know, if you're watching and you're in that situation today where you think, I'm I'm unacceptable, Jesus loves you in your muck. You know, I I can relate to this story personally. You know, I, I, I can relate to the prodigal son. There was once a time in my life that I went off the beaten track, strayed away from the faith, went against my family values and lived a life that was similar to this guy. And, and God, in my, in my darkest hour, he, he came up beside me, he accepted me back and brought me back into the family. And his love for me was, uh, was so great that I could not even fathom it. And I just want to say to, to anyone who is in that situation today, he loves you, he looks out for you, he cares for you, and He wants to restore you. The second point that I want to make today is that God does whatever it takes to get us back. So when we look at the father's response when the son came home, it's very telling of, of the love that the father has for the son. And what he is willing to do in order to get us back. See, the first thing we need to notice is that the father is actually anticipating his return. See, for the father to see him in the distance uh, would have meant that he would have been looking out for him. And this reflects the father, the father's heart in this moment. You see, he wouldn't have actually... In, in Jewish culture uh, that once you dishonored your parents there were there were two things that could have happened he could have uh, he could have been stoned to death according to Mosaic law uh, for dishonoring his father or his mother uh, and the other option was to be public dis, publicly disgraced or disowned and what they would have done is actually uh, brought the son out Uh, in public, uh, in front of all the village people, who would have known what was going on because they lived in such close proximity. Everybody knew everybody's business. So this son would have been uh, known by the whole village. And this father would have put him in front of everyone and would have actually slapped the son's face in a public display of, of disowning the son and actually condemned him and disgraced him. And he would have, could have either been a servant or a hired hand, but would not be a part of the family anymore. And yet, here we see the father doing the complete opposite. See, he's actually waiting, anticipating his return. This is the opposite of the culture of the day. He was looking for his son to return. But not only that, He was actually willing to be undignified. You see, Middle Eastern men, uh, back in that day, they didn't run. They didn't run for anybody. See, their servants and their slaves did all the running. And so to run in this way and to go and uh, wrap his arms around his son and kiss his son in this way was undignified. And so he was willing... Uh, to be undignified for his son, to show a public display of affection towards his son, to show that he accepts him and loves him. The third thing, that the reason why he would have ran and and seen him in the distance was to actually protect him. You see, the other villagers would have been, uh, if they had seen him first, could have actually... Uh, condemned the son and dragged the son uh, into public for public shaming uh, and gotten his father to come and do that for him and we see that that in order for this not to happen the father runs to get to him first and I love this because he not only does he run to protect him but he was he was willing to be ridiculed he went against the Jewish culture see the Jewish culture would have uh, actually ridiculed the father for for running after him, throwing himself on him, uh, protecting him uh, from the public disgrace or shame that he should have uh, had. And yet through this we see the love of a father who was willing to do whatever it took to get his son back. He was willing to be ridiculed, he was willing to have the village people uh, point their finger at him and and, and maybe condemn him for not treating him according to the Jewish culture at the time. He was willing to be undignified and to put himself out there to show his public display of affection. And he was, he was anticipating the return of his, of his son, which was all uh, opposite of what the Jewish culture was of the day. And so we see when Jesus is telling this parable challenging their, the way in which the religious leaders saw uh, the Father, that he was challenging their perception of who God was. He was saying, our Father in heaven is willing to do whatever it takes to get our son back. You know, Jesus. He's, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. He took our sin, our pain, uh, our guilt, our shame and he bore it on himself on that cross. And this displays the love of a father. This was what God was willing to do for us, to take uh, our guilt and our shame upon himself and to, to stand in the gap for us. And this represents our loving Father in heaven. The third point I want to make this morning is that he restores us even when we don't deserve it. You see, instead of uh, disowning him and publicly disgracing him, instead of making him a hired hand or a servant, he goes above and beyond to restore him back to the family. You see, when he meets his son, he hugs him and kisses him, He actually orders his servants to bring uh, sandals to put on the son's feet, to put a robe on him, to put a ring on him and to kill the fattened calf in order to have a celebration for his return. All these four things are very significant in the restoration of the son back into the family. See, firstly, we need to understand... uh, Sandals were actually a symbol of acceptance back into the family. See, slaves and hired hands uh, walked around in bare feet. They didn't have sandals. It was only the family members that wore the sandals. It was only the Jewish people that wore sandals. And so uh, through this act of putting sandals on his feet, he's saying to everyone, "He he is part of my family. He is not rejected he is my son. The second thing he does is he puts a robe on him. Now this robe, in, in the Greek, is actually a term called uh, a first-ranking garment. And this is very important. Not only does he accept him back into the, to the family, but he, he gives him his position back in the family. See, to have a first-ranking garment meant that he actually had status back in the family. He wasn't considered to be low anymore. And so he was able to to perform family duties according to the Jewish culture of that day. He was restored back into a, a position of authority. But not only that, he then puts a ring on his finger. See, the ring was a family ring. It was a signet ring. And it was actually used as a, as a signatory in terms of uh, if they were to sign a document, they would actually put a blob of uh, wax on the page, hot wax, and they would dip the ring into the wax, which was actually a sign uh, of the family approval. It was like us putting our signature on a document today. And it showed authority that he could represent the family once again. And this is actually very significant. When the son was actually thinking, if all I could be was just a hired servant, uh, you know, where at least I could get fed, God goes way beyond that and says, No way. I'm going to restore you back into the family with all the family benefits, all the family rights, and all the authority that comes with the family. But last of all, he celebrates his his son's return. He put on a public display and went completely against Jewish culture and said, you know what, my son is home, it's worth celebrating. He, He went out in public and said, this is my son. Whatever you think of him, I don't really care. I'm going to celebrate him in front of all of you. And what he did is he killed the fattened calf. See, the fattened calf was actually... Reserved for special events. So, either a wedding or a guest of honour that would have been visiting the town, maybe a celebration of of a, a significant birthday. And so, here, the fattened calf that the father was actually reserving, he says, Go and kill it. We're going to have a feast for my son who has returned. And here we see the ultimate. Uh, display of public uh, acceptance and restoration back into the family and into the village and into uh, into the community. And I love this because it shows our Father in heaven that even when we didn't deserve it, when we've done the wrong thing, we've made bad decisions, God actually restores us and loves us unconditionally. He makes us a part of the family. And, and this is the ultimate uh, reflection of our Father in heaven. You see, we we all make wrong decisions. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But yet in God's grace, love and mercy, he goes above and beyond to restore us. You see, he... he uh, He loves us when we're at our worst. He does whatever it takes to get us back. And he restores us even when we don't deserve it. We have a loving Father in heaven who loves us, who cares for us. He protects us. He looks out for us. He loves us unconditionally. And I think that for this Father's Day message is worth celebrating you know I've discovered in my time that there that when you bring up the word father there are mixed messages and mixed emotions that come with that word for some of us uh, the relationship with our father has been strained it's either been absent he's uh, maybe hasn't uh, said the right things or done the right things at the right time maybe he's, he's worked too much and just hasn't been present or maybe he just wasn't even around. Or for some, some of us, maybe he passed away at a, at a younger age. But what I've discovered is our relationship with our Father uh, can influence our relationship with God. See, our, our earthly father is a reflection of our Father in heaven. And one of the great things about discovering who our Father in Heaven really is, is it actually helps us to separate that they're two separate people. That, you know, our earthly Father is not our Heavenly Father. And that's actually okay. Because our Father in Heaven, uh, sorry, our earthly Father is always going to fall short of the glory of God, is never going to match up to our Father in Heaven. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And being able to separate the two and love our Father with grace and mercy for who he is and who God created him to be actually helps us to then look at our Father in heaven who is the perfect, unconditional, loving Father who, who loves us no matter what. And so in this message today, my goal was to actually represent a Father in heaven who, who is actually better than any of us as fathers could ever be. And once we get that revelation, it gives us the ability to approach him and have a relationship with him that far exceeds any relationship that we could have here on earth. See, our our Father in heaven loves us deeply. He does whatever it takes to, to love us, to show his love for us. And so for us as fathers... I'd encourage you to, to do your best to reflect our Father in heaven and that's a continuing process for all of us. But we can't be perfect like him, but we can try. But if you, if you struggle to relate to God today, if, you, if your Father on earth has caused this relationship with your Father in heaven to be a tough one, maybe you feel like you just need his approval, Maybe you feel like you just don't know how to connect with him. I hope this message today gives you a glimpse into, this, into your Father in heaven who loves you deeply and allows you to approach him like you never have before. So I'd love to pray for you today. So would you join with me by closing your eyes right now and, let, and let's just pray for, for those who actually have had a strained relationship with their father. And let's just ask for God to heal maybe those relationships this morning. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift up those of us who may have had a tough relationship with their earthly father. Lord, I pray that you would give, uh, you would bring your healing into those situations, that you would restore identity, that you would restore uh, the connection back to you, that you would uh, show your love in a way that goes beyond anything that could be experienced with our Father here on earth. And Lord, I just pray for us as as fathers and soon-to-be fathers, Lord, that we would actually uh, rise to the challenge of being a good father, that we would be uh, fathers who love unconditionally, Fathers who uh, are present. Fathers who uh, protect and care and actually affirm our children. Fathers who guide. Fathers who, uh, who actually have a good relationship with you. And Lord, I pray from generation to generation that our love for you would continue to get better and better. And that that we would reflect your love well here on earth and represent you well. We celebrate fathers today. And we celebrate you, Father, in heaven for what you've done and who you are. And we thank you that you're the ultimate, perfect father. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepard